patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. My brothers and sisters, if any one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. It was 1999, and we were all bracing ourselves for Y2K. The world was going to fall apart, and our computers were going to lead the way in that um, mischievous time of life. And it was in the midst of that uh, that I was, don't do the math on this, but I was a senior in high school, and I remember sitting in our classroom, Spanish classroom that day, when suddenly uh, there was commotion out in the hallway and over the loudspeaker, we were directed to head uh, to our gymnasium. Our school was being put on lockdown. We had a bomb threat, as did uh, several other schools in the area. And that was the day of the Columbine shootings. Kids my age, friends of friends, were shot and killed that day by two fellow classmates. And I never looked at the world the same way again. I remember sitting in that same Spanish class just a week later thinking, uh, okay, if someone came in, if someone broke in, and if I heard gunshots, what would I do Where would I find my sisters? How would I get them out of the school safely? What would I do? My life and many of yours have been highlighted by tragedies. I was sitting in my dorm room when 9-11 happened and airplanes crashed into the side of two twin towers. I remember vividly seeing Hurricane Katrina create a disaster of the South. I remember invasions of Iraq and Afghanistan. And I preached the night after the Aurora Theater shootings just five miles down the road from the actual theater where the shooting occurred, our Executive pastor's daughter had a boyfriend who died in that incident. And then we have this past year. A worldwide virus rioting in the streets and in the capital. Rumors of killer wasps. You remember that? They were coming for us. 
This is one that we don't know much about, but um, one of the greatest locust outbreaks Africa has ever seen happened this past year. Locusts, like, like Moses, locusts. A crazy election, the southern United States being froze over. Houston was an absolute disaster. Followed by the latest news of a third or fourth or fifth wave, however you want to count it, of the virus in Europe. And then this past week's shootings in Atlanta. What does this mean? What does this all mean? Have you thought, have you thought about that? Have you maybe quietly to yourself thought, what does this all mean? Why are these events happening? I've had a lot of people asking me, Brian, what do you think this is all about? Are we, are we like in the end times? I've had people ask me about that. I've had people tell me about that. I've had people send me emails with YouTube clips to inform me about how we're in the end times and how we should deal with it. And I want to start out with a loaded statement this morning. A loaded statement about our current circumstances. And here is the loaded statement. We are in the last days. If you've been sitting around wondering, are we in the last days? Is this the end times? I want to confirm something for you this morning, and it is weighty. We are in the last days. James, the brother of Jesus, says this in James chapter 5, starting in verse 7, but I just want you to pay attention to one little phrase. So listen. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. Well, when is the Lord's coming, James? Okay, listen. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crops, patiently waiting for autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. The Lord's coming is near. As James Pens this as James speaks to his audience 2,000 years ago. He says, listen, the return of Jesus is near. The return of the Lord is near. Can I tell you something? 2,000 years later, it's closer. Okay? It's funny because it's true, Right? Like James was sitting there with the rest of the church and they were thinking, it's gonna happen right now. I mean, I know you think it's bad right now, but listen, they're not lighting Christians on fire in the Roman stadium to entertain themselves this afternoon. That's not happening, but that was happening in James' day. Christians were being killed and persecuted in ways that we can't barely even fathom and they thought now is the end 2,000 years later we are closer than we've ever been to the Lord's coming and tomorrow will be even closer do you live like that do you live with that in the forefront of your 
mind as Alex preached last week? Do you live with eternity in your viewpoint? With this in mind, I want us to look at James and think about two ways to respond to the Lord's coming. Two ways for us to respond to the Lord's coming. The first way, I'm gonna call it this. It's a faith that's broke, okay? It's a broke response. You know, you know that, okay. It's a faith that's broke response to this, and it is this. Be obnoxious in your circumstances, okay? If you want a faith that's broke, be obnoxious in your circumstances. James says, hey, hey, this is happening soon. The Lord is near. And then he says this, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters. How divided are we? I was having this conversation with my father this past week. We got to go see him in Denver. He just got done with his radiation treatments. I know some of you have been praying for him, so thank you, thank you for that. Um, hopefully the cancer's all gone. We're just, we're just praying in that direction. But I got to sit with him and I said, Dad, this just seems like such a weird, weird time in history. It just seems like so many things are broken right now. So many things are divided right now. And it seems like so many people are obnoxious in the midst of their circumstances. And, and nothing is new under the sun. James, James says, hey, stop being obnoxious in your circumstances. Stop grumbling. Well, think about what we grumble about, church. This should be convicting for us. We're divided by age. I mean, I mean, you're blind if you haven't seen the fact that we have generational rift like we have never had before. Not since the 1960s, we haven't seen anything like this. Millennials and boomers are at war with each other all the time. Maybe you put on a nice face from time to time, but maybe you're online and you're like, okay, boomer, exclamation point, right? We are divided by age. If you're of an older generation, be honest, you've grumbled about the younger generation. You think they're stupid. You think they're immature. You think they're gonna ruin the world. You really thought millennials were gonna do that and then you woke up one day and you were like, wait a minute, they have a kid and a mortgage. This is weird, they didn't actually wreck the world. Okay, well, I'll try to figure that out later, right? And millennials, don't be pointing no fingers. Gen Z, don't be pointing no fingers. You think you're smarter? You think because you got Google, you're the Google generation? You got all the answers. And so you grumble. You grumble to yourself. You grumble to your roommates. You grumble to your spouse. You grumble about the people you should love. You grumble and grumble and grumble. You grumble about gender. We have been so divided by gender, by equality in gender. And this conversation, I hate to tell you, it has just begun. And it's getting more complicated each and every day. And it's hard just enough in your homes, right, married people? 
You're like, I don't know how she thinks, man. You know, we've always been divided. And she's like, I really have no idea how he thinks, right? We're divided. And so we grumble. Some of you live in grumbling homes, grumbling marriages. It's killing you. It's wearing on you. He grumbles and then she grumbles. Then he grumbles and then she grumbles. And he grumbles and she grumbles and round and round we go in something I like to call the crazy cycle. Obnoxious in your circumstances. We have a split between rural and urban. Like I grew up in Denver, grew up city boy, okay? Now I wear cowboy boots and I'm thankful for them, okay? I like them better, They, they fit better, I like them better, okay? I always wanted to like ride a horse and wear chaps, I don't know, anyway, so. But I grew up in the city and I married a, a country girl. I married a farm girl. We're like a bad country song, okay? <laughs> Can we be really honest though? Didn't, didn't the election cycle, didn't it reveal something? Like, like if you're rural in this room, you think city folks are stupid. Be honest. You look at the map of the United States and you're like, Oh yeah, all those people over there and over there? Nah, I don't get it. Do you know what the city people think about you? Same thing. They look at their cities and they say, we're educated here. And y'all out in the country, they don't say y'all. They say, you people out in the country, right? You all say y'all, okay, right? (laughs) You people out in the country, you don't know what you're talking about. You have no idea what you're talking about. I'm educated I'm from the city, I understand these things. Grumble, grumble, grumble. Speaking of politics, was there grumbling last year? Is there still grumbling right now? Republican, Democrat, and all those people who we don't even know where they land. Are we grumbling against one another? Racial gap. This has been highlighted for us this year. And if you say it's not there, you're just blind to it. There is a racial gap. We think differently than other people and other people think differently than us. And we need to listen for understanding. But we don't. We grumble. We hear the news and we say, I'm just gonna turn that off or that person doesn't know what they're talking about. We don't need to work on this. It's just a hoax. No, no. Stop grumbling. Church, stop grumbling. Can can I just be honest with you? Man, I'm tired because some of y'all are obnoxious, okay? And and can can I also say this? I'm obnoxious too. Man, if you talk to Lori, she'd tell you I've been real obnoxious this year. I got all kinds of opinions about things I don't know what I'm talking about. And, and I try to figure out how to get up here on the Sundays that I'm preaching and come up with something intelligible to say to y'all because there's some obnoxiousness in my circumstances. And I think if you're really honest this morning, there's some obnoxiousness in your circumstances. James keeps going. Super encouraging. It's gonna get better. Okay. <laughs> Okay. 
James goes on to say this, above all, brothers and sisters, do not swear. Not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to simply say is yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. We covered this a couple weeks ago, talking about taming your tongue. This isn't about cussing. It's about swearing and making grandiose claims about what you're going to do or about what you might No, making ridiculous statements or entertaining ridiculous statements. Anybody in here done that this year? You entertained ridiculous statements? Some of you should be raising your hand. I'm just saying, okay, okay, right? Like, like, here's the thing. Because we have Google, you're not a doctor. You're just not, okay? Right? Like, like, it's hilarious to me that you're like, I know a lot about the medical field. And then I'm like, how about plumbing? You know anything about plumbing? You're like, no, leave that to the experts. You're like, okay, really? Really? It's plumbing. Like, you, you put the pieces together. That's how it works. It's like a, it's like a Jenga puzzle in the, you know, backwards, right? So, stop. Please stop. Please stop. Please stop being obnoxious in your circumstances. Please stop making promises you're not going to keep. Please stop entertaining those who are making promises that they can't keep. You mad at the media? Guess what? It's your fault. Because you're entertaining them. They wouldn't be around if we weren't listening to them, tuning into them, turning their podcast on. They wouldn't have the platform unless we gave it to them. Do you understand that? So we don't entertain these ridiculous things because we're obnoxious in our circumstances. This is a faith that is broke. And some of you are right in the middle of that right now. And your faith is so shaken right now. It's so broken right now because you haven't known how to deal with all that's going on in the world around you. And guess what? Even when we get through this pandemic, you're gonna have moments in your life that bring up things in you that you don't know how to handle. Hard things are going to come. Suffering will come. How are you gonna deal with it? You're gonna be obnoxious in your circumstances? Or, or are you gonna practice a faith that works? Here's the faith that works response. I want you to be patient in your suffering. I want you to be patient in your suffering. Instead of obnoxious in your circumstances, I want you to be patient in your suffering. I want me to be patient in my suffering. James says this, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the springs to rain. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Whenever someone in the Bible, Bible reading tip, okay? Whenever somebody says the same word three times in three sentences, he's trying to get your attention, okay? And James says, be patient, patiently waiting. You too, be patient. He is trying to make a point to us. Be patient in our suffering. How patient are you? How patient am I? I am, I am not very patient. I'm gonna be honest with you. I like things done yesterday. That's how I like them done, okay? I'm not very patient. Technology hasn't helped me. 
Because I think that if, you know, if, my, if my things aren't working fast enough, like, oh man, I got no Wi-Fi today. Are you kidding me? Like, come on, man. How many people are using the Wi-Fi in my neighborhood? It's slow today. I'm not good at waiting. Have you thought things like this? When will this be over? When will this be over? I want you to shift your thinking. Shift your thinking. Think about this. What if instead of asking, when will this be over? What if you started asking, what can I learn right now? Instead of freaking out and wondering, when will this be over? Will you sit in what is at hand and say, what can I learn from this hard moment right now? One of my greatest hopes for the next generation, these kids that are growing up in this, is that this will actually have a strong impact on their life. I know some of you are all scared for your kids. I am not. I'm excited for them. If they can get through this well, can you imagine what they'll be able to get through in their life? Can you imagine the grit and the fortitude that they will have in this life? What could you be learning right now that you might be missing out on because you're impatient? I've shared some of this story before, but Lori and I had five years of infertility. Five long years of infertility. And I wish I could tell you I was patient all along the way, but it was God's good design to make me patient, <laughs> to force me into dependence, to force me into patience, to make me wait and wait and wait and wait. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't always see that as an opportunity, but there were moments, there were glimmers of hope in the midst of it where I thought, man, I'm learning something in this moment. I'm growing in this moment. I'm becoming mature in a whole new way in this moment. I'm learning great dependence upon God. I remember having a prayer life that was just so alive during that time. And I didn't always say nice things to Jesus, I'm gonna be honest with you, but I would go out of my back porch and I would talk to the sky, man, and sometimes I'd yell at the sky and sometimes I'd wave a fist at heaven, but every night I was out there talking to God. It was an opportunity, an opportunity unlike any other five years of waiting. And, and man, when my kids showed up through the gift of adoption, man, oh, you, can't even, you can't even understand. So, some of you can like, like I, I can't explain to you well enough how much I love those kids. How, how, I, how I just look at them. Even when they fall asleep in my arms and I'm just like, God, you gave me such a gift. And the gift was worth more because of the waiting. It was worth more because of the patience that I endured. James wants to give us a tangible example of this. What does it look like for us to suffer well? And so he tells us the story of Job. He says this, Brothers and sisters, an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of God. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion 
and mercy. Job was a man from the land of Uz. <laughs> Not Oz, Uz. It's one of the oldest books in the Bible. Many scholars believe it is the oldest book in the Bible, which I think is awesome because it's all about suffering. And if there's one question human beings have been asking from the very get-go, from the very beginning, it has been this, how do I deal with suffering? If you're unfamiliar with the story of Job, Job is this wealthy, faithful man. And God agrees to allow Satan to put him to the test. And he takes everything from Job, his kids and his wealth and his home and even his own health. He takes everything from Job. And his friends come by and and they give him really crummy advice. And his wife says, hey, just curse God and be over this. But Job, 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 no, he doesn't do that. Job is patient in suffering. I've heard my father-in-law use this phrase multiple times. Uh, I, I remember vividly when he used this on August 1st, 2013, when we had a, a wedding and a hailstorm at the exact same time and his crops were completely destroyed. And he said the same thing that Job said in his understanding of suffering. He drove out to the fields as we were headed from the wedding to the reception. He looked out at the fields that were decimated and he just looked out and said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Will you say, blessed be the name of the Lord? That is suffering well. When I was in Denver, I got to spend some time with my buddy, uh, Jim Barnard. Jim um, just finished this book. And like when your friends write books, I don't know, man, it's just so awesome. Um, He wrote this book, it's called, The Suffering Guy, subtitled, The Title I Never Wanted. Um, This is just a a great friend. Uh, We work together in ministry, and him and his wife, Alicia, uh, have been through unbelievable suffering. See, a year into their marriage, Alicia found out that she had uh, a strange disease attached to uh, her intestines and digestive system. And because of that, she has gone, undergone, I don't even know how many surgeries. Uh, she cannot eat um, any solid food. She's on a fully liquid diet. She weighs about 70 pounds. And, and Jim tells the story of suffering from one year into his marriage until they've been married uh, over 15 years now. I got to do a renewal of vows for them a couple years back. And and you just can't imagine the suffering that Jim and Alicia have gone through. And and you can't imagine the suffering that their little boy named Anderson, who is a total miracle, has endured watching his mother slowly die. 
And he gave me this um, copy of his book that he just finished, and he's going to uh, put it out uh, in May. If you want to know more about it, let me know. Um, I can point you in the right direction, or you can just go to sufferingguy.com, thesufferingguy.com. Um, he now works with people who are suffering and helps them work through their expectation gap uh, with a ministry called Tiller. But here, he, here's what he says that I, I want us to just, just kind of end on. He says this, Jesus knows about suffering. Suffering is at the center of who Jesus is. As he continues to suffer our sin. Here's the thing though, his suffering changed the entire world. I don't know if you believe that or not, but Jesus' suffering changed everything. I know I'm straight up preaching right now. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's what he actually wrote. It's hilarious. All right. (laughs) But understanding this has changed my perspective in significant ways. There is a powerful part of scripture that tells us that we are children of God. And we will get the full inheritance from our heavenly father. This means we are fellow heirs with Jesus. As long as we suffer with him, then we will also be glorified with him. We don't suffer because of him. We don't suffer for him. We suffer with him. If Jesus' suffering changed the world, and if we suffer with him, our suffering can change the world as well. I know that this is a bold statement. I honestly believe it. Our pain has a purpose. It has to have a purpose. It ties us with Jesus Christ who suffered just so he could be with us. It was worth it to him to experience that kind of pain in order to model hope in the midst of suffering. What's your response? What will you do? Will you be obnoxious in your circumstances or patient in your suffering? Will you be obnoxious in your circumstances or will you be patient in your suffering? What will you do right now? What will you do five years from now when everything we're experiencing right now is in the rearview mirror, but you've got new suffering, new problems, new heartaches, new challenges? What will you do? Who will you cry out to? Who will you hang on to? Who will you put your hope in? See, Jesus, Jesus is the suffering guy. My buddy Jim, he's just a suffering guy. But Jesus is the suffering guy. And he suffered so you could be saved. He suffered so you could be loved. He suffered so you could be changed and so that you could suffer, so you could help change the world as well. What will you do? Will you keep being obnoxious in your circumstances? Keep driving everybody crazy around you? Or will you be patient in 
your suffering, will you cry out to Jesus? Will you suffer with the one who suffered well? What will you do? Jesus. We need you. There's so much going on in the world around us. And frankly, God, some of us are just tired of hearing about it. And then there are those who aren't just tired of everything going on around them, but they're tired and weary and sad and frustrated about what's going on right inside their own home, inside their own heart, inside their relationships, inside their finances. And God, we just, we bring this all to you. We're so broke. And, and we, we admit to you, Jesus, we cannot fix ourselves. We, we don't choose to suffer well, Jesus. And we need you to lead us into that. We need you to lead us into suffering as you suffered so that we may be glorified as you were glorified. Jesus, I, I pray for each and every heart in this room and engaging online, anyone hearing the sound of my voice, God, I, I just want to place those all before you. I want to say, Jesus, change us. Be with us in the mountains and especially in the valleys. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you. The best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net slash give. Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.